it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. for you here, but not with Reed Wilkins in the driver's seat. I don't even think he's on the golf course these days, although I have a little bit of mercy for anybody who is currently on a golf course. It's pretty hot out, I think. I couldn't tell you that for sure. Looks like it is. I haven't left the outdoors since about 10 o'clock this morning when I rolled in so I could prep this show for you. And what a great show we do have here in the absence of Reed Wilkins. Brendan Escott with you, as mentioned by Mr. Thomas Dias. Uh, yeah, we've got some football talk coming up. I don't know that there was enough time uh, on the airwaves last night to jam in everything that you had to say about Victor Kui, the outgoing president and CEO. Well, he's not outgoing. He's outgone. He's gone now. Day two uh, with Victor Kui, no longer a member of the Elks organization. The search, I suppose, for his replacement, the interim replacement, is now underway. But uh, we got a football game that we're going to focus on more so in in this program, uh, we've got Dave Campbell, who was out in Hamilton, has been for the last couple of days now. It's a homecoming game for Trey Ford. And if you think back to last year, Canada Day was the date. And Trey Ford actually picked up his only career win there at uh, Tim Hortons Stadium. So, you know, an opportunity for some warm and fuzzies going back there to family and friends and heading back, uh, you know, home to start once again. This is a great opportunity. Yeah, for sure. It definitely feels uh, similar. I definitely feel more prepared for this game. But, um, yeah, it's going to be nice to see all my friends and family tomorrow coming in and checking out the game for sure. And hopefully, you know, hopefully we can get the win, you know, uh, have some good energy around here and, you know, a good start for next week. I did uh, a Tiger Cats a podcast a little earlier today, even before I rolled into this place. And, uh, and they were talking, like, Trey Ford is part of the fabric of that football community. Just to put this in context, you know, we grew up in Niagara Falls, which is isn't too far down the road, played at uh, Waterloo at university. And uh, and so these people know all about Trey Ford. How, uh, how many of your family and friends might be there, you young quarterback, you? So my dad's coming uh, with a couple of his friends. Uh, my high school football coach is going to be here. Uh, my university coach is going to be here. Aunts and uncles are going to be showing up, uh, and just some friends from my high school. So there's going to there's going to be a decent amount of uh, Ford fans in the on the, in the stands tomorrow. 
Yeah, and uh, well, not reason why. Why not? He's reason for hope right now, and I think that at this point in the season, with everything that's gone on now, Edmonton arriving at this 0-9 record, second half of the season officially beginning for them tomorrow. Uh, why not lean into the man's uh, two-way ability? You know, we can get out and run the ball. He can uh, give defenses sort of an, a second thing to think about. The first play of the game that they broke off for a 64-yard rushing touchdown, that was one that Trey could have kept, too, if they had felt that that was the right way to go. A delayed handoff like that is part of the new offense that they're trying to integrate more of, and that's brought on by Ford's uh, true dual-threat ability at the quarterback position. Uh, he is 1-3 in three as a starter now uh, through his four-start CFL career. He's made 11 uh, appearances overall, but going back to that 29-25 win last year at Hamilton, threw for just 159 yards a 15 of 26 through the air, a touchdown there, and uh, 60 rushing yards. That was the first win of the Elks season last year. Last week, similar-ish stats, about 30 more passing yards, 189 yards through the air. Again, one touchdown. The interception last week as well, five rushes for 50 yards, and Ford got into the end zone. So, you know, we're seeing in his first couple of starts the numbers aligning. The difference in that game last year was Scott Hutter punched the ball out with 88 seconds left to go in the football game, and the defensive back, Jalen Collins, long since gone from the team, picked it up and ran it into the end zone. That gave the Elks the deciding factor. So this is where other parts of the team are picking up the offense. And at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of this football season for Edmonton, the defense was the strong suit. So if they can get back to some sort of semblance of that, and you've got things to build on offensively with your quarterback, then you're in much better shape. Much better shape. Uh, schedule lightens up too, as we've discussed plenty here. The next uh, five games are going to give them essentially five opportunities from the get-go, from kickoff, to go out there and not be overpowered by talent necessarily. Hamilton's, you know, three and five, for example. They're going to see Calgary twice. Calgary has three wins on the season. These are the teams that it, it might seem silly to talk about a playoff spot, but if if there's going to be some sort of late season and surge these are the teams that you're chasing so now is an opportunity to make hay um chris jones speaking a little earlier today evaluating the uh, start of ford last week uh, against the bombers i mean he was 12 or 16 uh, again he like you mentioned i mean he had the bad throw in the second half bad decision i mean because he he took that throw in practice uh, every time 100 percent of the time mm -hmm. the out route and and tried to fit one in and uh, ended up turning the football over but uh with that being said i mean i thought for his first start he did real well and he was saying to the interest of, of me and certainly to the interest of some texters at 780-496-0063 that he wants to push the ball down the fields more. He felt like the reins were on a little bit too tight there in that start against Winnipeg. Like there should be even more downfield play calling. He hopes so, certainly does Ford. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know, not 100%. I mean, KB is an athletic guy, too, and I, I thought our O-line played phenomenal last week in the pass game and in the run game. So uh, whatever whatever the game plan is, uh, you know, definitely want to keep, keep KB involved, uh, I mean, especially with how explosive he was last week.
Yeah, you want to talk about the running game because you're a good leader, but we know as well uh, that you want to push the ball down the field. Uh, Chris Jones talking about the return of Geno Lewis, and here's an element to moving the ball down the field. Remember week one of the season, Lewis with the 102-yard touchdown reception? That's going to be nice to insert that type of talent back into the lineup after a long absence. Yeah, both those guys, I mean, they were starters, you know, at the first part of the year, and certainly Geno's had uh, you know, everybody knows who he is, and uh, they, they may not know Tanner as well. But Tanner's, uh, you know, one of our top special teams, if not the top teams player we have, and certainly allows us to have a, a good uh, fullback option. That's Tanner Green, the Lacombe product, also coming back into the lineup after a six weeks, uh, six week long absence. Uh, so, so help on the way here. And Ford talked about working with Eugene Lewis and trying to build some chemistry up. Yeah, I mean, it was de- it was nice to have him back out there. I mean, I do feel there was a little bit of a connection there. Obviously, he st- still needs to grow, still needs to improve. Uh, I haven't had a, a ton of reps with him, you know. I wish we could do a little more, uh, like some routes on air kind of thing. Um, but, you know, we got a long week coming up this week, so maybe we can book some time and get together for sure. Well, the two of them seem like awfully hard workers just from the eyes that I've had on them at practice so far this season. Even when Eugene Lewis wasn't able to practice, he's still there in his, his workout gear, and you can tell he's just chomping at the bit to get an opportunity to get out. He's coaching up guys that are participating in drills that he wouldn't have been participating in, you know, telling guys to get out and high point the ball, the defensive backs and stuff. So, the energy is there, and I think that's a really encouraging sign that you know you're going to plug him alongside, say, Dylan Mitchell, who is uh, really blossoming now in the last couple of weeks of the season. As I mentioned, it is the halfway point officially, and Chris Jones uh, talked about wanting for a lot more here in the second half of the season. Yeah, I mean, we've got to take them one by one. We certainly need uh, to play four quarters of football. We've got to be a more disciplined football team. We put in measures to try to attempt to do that, and uh, you know, if we if we take care of the football and take the football away and play disciplined football, don't take don't take a bunch of penalties. And uh, you know, I think we got opportunities to be real good down the stretch. Well, again, it can start as early as this week. A spell of games for Edmonton, and it goes at Hamilton at home versus Ottawa, where receiver Terry Vaughn will be honored up on the Wall of Honor. Some would say at long last there. Then it's the Labor Day series, and Calgary is not looking particularly strong this year, and that's not just with Edmonton glasses on at all. So there's two games in a row against them, and then Saskatchewan. So there's five consecutive games with teams that when you reference the standings page, they're not necessarily screaming out past the Elks. Three wins for Ottawa, three wins for Hamilton, three wins for Calgary and just four for Saskatchewan. Obviously Edmonton has a lot to prove to themselves and and likely to you as well in order to um, see a lot of daylight, shall we say. But this is a good opportunity with the schedule that they did not get to benefit from in the first part of the season when they were all over the place and they didn't get any bye weeks and that sort of thing where they can now try and make uh, make it there, uh, take advantage of it. All right, I need a break here. I'm fumbling over my words. 616 in Edmonton. It's Brendan Escott in tonight for Reed Wilkins. Again, we're going to talk hockey with Tony Brar coming up in hour number two. He is the host or rather reporter on Oilers TV. 
uh, an Edmonton Marathon participant. The marathon going on this Sunday, and somebody that's involved is going for a Guinness World Record. Maybe not traditionally thinking what you would expect for a marathon and a Guinness World Record, but we'll fill you in on that. And yeah, Riverhawks pitcher Halen Knoll taking home some hardware in the West Coast League. All- How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Coming up tonight on Inside Sports. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. Special shout out at this time to our friends at uh, Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for uh, 40 years. The reason I was in the station a little early today was doing a little uh, work on my car. And, and when it was finished up, I just couldn't. Uh, the pride that I take in my vehicle when I see it all shammed up and nice and that sort of thing. So uh, you got something lingering around. Give the people at Cougar a call. Tom Richards, the. Board chair for the E Board of Directors has uh, certainly not had an easy job over the last uh, 24 to 48 hours. I would imagine the decision going back long before that. So you might even want to stretch that out to about a week or so uh, in terms of getting the process going for parting ways with Victor Kui. I had him on the show last night. This is what Richards had to say. Business operations, of course, is different than football operations, and business operations were constantly, excuse me, constantly focused on the long term, and that's what we have to be as a board. That is our role. That is our our quote job as volunteers is to is to try to steward the club for long term success. So it wasn't. Uh, it really didn't have anything to do with what was going on on the field. Um, you know, it certainly, our on-field record certainly makes it more difficult for us to sell tickets and, and sponsorships and to get people to come, for sure. We understand that. But, but this was a, a decision for the long-term um, betterment of the club. So what was delineated to me was the decision was not made at all based on the 0-9 record of the team. They didn't address that there was any workplace concerns, though that is being pretty widely reported at this point. Um, So that leaves us sort of left to decide or wait until more things come out in the wash as to why Victor Kui um, would part with the company mutually as they said it but the middle of a season quite literally smack dab in the middle of the season second half starts tomorrow so obviously this wasn't ideal this wasn't the plan when the board set out and hired Victor Kui but it's also following a pattern of hires that have not worked out for this same board of directors I also asked uh, Tom Richards about that last night if you're looking to to lay blame I, I guess I'm one of the one of the directors that has been involved with some of the decisions in the past. 
we are a volunteer organization that we do have turnover. You know, we have two two members, two new members get get reelected, kind of or elected rather every year to the board. So we are, you know, gaining different perspectives all the time, and it, and it's not just one group that's been there and, and stuck in a wrong mindset for a long time. Uh, I, I do believe in in our current structure where we do have a board. Diverse views, diverse backgrounds, a wide range of of success in different kinds of businesses. And we sit down and we try to figure out what the the club needs currently. And maybe they're going to be a little bit different than they were a couple of years ago. Maybe they're going to be very similar with just a couple of slight things different. We're in, in the process now where we hope to name an interim president CEO in two to three weeks. And then we also uh, concurrently we've got um, a search committee for a permanent president and CEO, and that that I don't expect to be filled until uh, till the end of the year. There you go. So you are up to speed. That is Tom Richards. He heads up the double E board of directors, which has some work to do. And I think they've got to earn the trust back of the fans of this football franchise as well. Simply put, uh, that was a lot of the feedback that was coming in on uh, not only the text line, but also the hotline yesterday. A hotline brought to you by Certainty, the pro's choice for roofing, sidewall, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainty pro all the way we'll dig further into this football matchup dave campbell the regular fill-in host for the show he's out in hamilton though we will go to the hammer we will get things teed up football wise and then we got to talk riverhawks at least one last time here Halen Knoll picking up some hardware. He's an Edmonton kid. He was showing out for the hometown team all season long. Hour number two is going to be pretty fun as well, but that's what's coming right up here after a global news update. It's Brendan Escott in the big chair tonight on Inside Sports.